Thank you so much for tuning in to our Daybreak Church podcast. Britt Wendell here. I wanted to give a quick word of thanks for all of you that follow along with our story here in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Like many of you and most churches around the world, we're taking time to look forward to where God would have us take big leaps of faith and make some small adjustments in our life along the way. We're currently walking through Psalm 57, pulling from this interesting phrase that King David uses, Awake the dawn, a declaration of intent for God's glory. Something we are unpacking this year as we press into this larger theme of seeking revival for our soul and renewal for our city. Thanks again for tuning in. I want to encourage you to give this a like and a share with someone in your life that needs to be encouraged in their faith and reminded of all that God has done, is doing, and longs to do in their life. Good morning, Daybreak Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Okay, the front sounds really good. How's everybody doing this morning? Y'all awake, y'all alive? I know it's getting you the backside. My, my computer went to sleep. Uh, well, my name is Pastor Britt. Hope you're having a glorious, non-super snowy day. Anybody? I just can. I find myself praying every weekend. Please don't snow. Please don't snow. You can snow during the week. That's fine. Just don't, don't snow. Yeah, no, no. Like this is my work week. <laughs> like no, no, no. Like please don't, don't snow. Uh, well, again, super glad that you're here today. We are finishing up um, a, a series that we started that really is going to be a, a running uh, focus and theme for us of Awake the Dawn. It is this prayer that I, I hope isn't just my prayer for myself and my prayer for the church, but something that becomes uh, ingrained in you, your hope for this, this year in your life, to see God come alive in your life in a new way, in fresh ways, bringing to life old dreams, bringing to life new things. And it comes from this psalm, Psalm 57. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Psalm 57, I'm going to read verse, verse 11, say a few things, and then we're going to look back at verses 7 through 11, starting with verse 11, Psalm 57. King David writes this to end the psalm, and he says, God, be exalted above the heavens. Let your glory be over the whole earth. Let your glory be over the whole earth. Like, let that sink in. Like, if we're not careful, um, we read scripture, and we're like, okay, that's nice. And then we move on. Psalm 58. Next, next stanza. Next phrase. Next line. And if we're not careful, um, we, we move too quickly. We move away from what, what the writer, the author, is trying to communicate. And what I believe the Holy Spirit is really wanting to do, because each verse, um, every section, every chapter, every sentence points to the larger narrative. We're going to see that in a few months as a church. But it also speaks to a specific thing in and of itself. And this verse... This declaration that God be exalted above the heavens. The understanding that the heavens are the highest that we can get, and that God would be exalted above that. Oh, well, how do you get above the highest thing? Go for it. Push. Rise. Make it happen. Sing louder. Go harder. Go faster. That we would exalt Him above the heavens. And not just that we would have this upward movement. I'm going to ask Autumn to put that back in. I want us to see these words. To not just simply 
Be upward with him. Psalm 57. Not just simply be upward, God. We want to see you move. But also laterally. We want to see it, your glory go across the whole earth. The prayer and declaration of David here is that, God, I want to see your name and fame go above the highest of highs. And I want to see you go as far as the farthest of fars. Now, would you do it? Would you do this? And may I play a part. This is the declaration of King David, that he would play a part in this. That Jesus, as Tony Evans says, Jesus didn't just come to, to simply take sides, but he came to fully take over. You say that again. He didn't come to take sides, whether it be a political side or a, a racial side or a gender side. He came to fully take over, to say, I am in charge, my kingdom, my fame, my name, everywhere. I want to see it in lights in the heavens. I want to see it on the hearts of the men and women who walk the streets. I want to see it everywhere. And yet, as David pronounces, you and I have a part to play in that. Psalm 57, starting with verse 7. My heart is confident, God. My heart is confident. I will sing. I will sing praises. If you've been with us, you know that the full, the verses 1 through 6, King David is, is setting up the story of his confidence that he's been chased into a cave by his father-in-law. His father-in-law is trying to kill him. Uh, King Saul is upset because the anointing of God is going to transfer from Saul to David. Saul done messed up. He's not the king that God wants. David is the king that he is going to raise up and anoint to lead the people, to point the people to the beauty of God. And Saul's upset about that. Really upset to the point of chasing King David into a cave, tries to kill him multiple times. Fun story. Just a normal day in the family of kings, I guess. But yet, King David, he, he makes this declaration that in life is hard and being chased. It's like lions are after me. This is hard. God, like, save me. God, rescue me. But then he says this, but my heart is confident, God, in where and who in you. My heart is confident. And because of that, I will sing not just normal songs, but I will sing praises. In the midst of pain, in the midst of pressure, I'm not going to, I'm going to play with the peace. I'm not going to pontificate. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm out of peace. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to stress. I'm not going to lament. it. What am I going to do? I'm going to praise your name. I'm going to praise you in the midst of the pressure. I'm going to praise you in the midst of the pain. Somebody needs to write that down this morning. I'm like, okay, I need to, need to remember this. That there's, there's a call in my life that I have a choice in the midst of whatever trial befalls me. Like, I'm going to respond some way. Either I'm going to respond how the rest of the world responds, or I'm going to respond in a confidence of knowing the Father who knows me because of Jesus. And that response is going to lead me to praise him. To praise him. And not only is he in there simply praising God, but he makes this declaration, this cry, wake up my soul. The core of who I am needs to come awake to the realities of who God is. Wake up my soul. Wake up harp and lyre. As we walk through this as a church, we, 
looked at how King David was a phenomenal musician. Uh, scripture and history tells him probably one of the best musicians that ever existed. He wrote prolifically poems, songs. This dude was incredibly gifted. And yet as he would play instruments, like people would just be soothed and like won over. The dude had incredible gift. And so for him saying, wake up, harp and lyre, he's saying, wake up my purpose. Wake up my giftedness. Wake up what the Father has blessed me with to use for his glory. And so you might be here this morning going, I'm not really good at the harp. And I don't know what a liar is. It's not. <laughs> what is your purpose? How has the Father uniquely and perfectly gifted you for making much of Jesus? Lastly, he says, I will wake up the dawn. This imagery of King David, soon to be King David, in the cave. It's dark outside. We talked a little about this last week. The songbirds. But would chirp as darkness was being pushed back by the light. King David making this declaration, I will wake the dawn. My praise will push back darkness. My praise will remind the world and myself that Jesus has come. That light is here and light will win. He says, I will praise you, Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praise to you among the nations. So, again, as we're looking through this, kind of as a recap, King David is saying, I'm not just going to do this in my, in my little closet, privately, quietly, not wanting to bump into anybody, not wanting to upset anybody. No, I want the world to know how good my God is. So I'm going to do this, I'm going to praise this, I'm going to sing this song, I'm going to push back darkness among people among nations, in public, around people, among the people. He's like, I'm going to go where the people are. I'm going to be where the people are. You find yourself, I don't know if you're aware of this, you're in Kenosha. Welcome. This is where we are among the people. Each of you represents people that you are around. You all have a unique uh, people group and people set that you find yourself with. And around again, Jesus saying, I've given you gifts. I've called you to awake the dawn in a certain way, in a certain place, for my glory. He says, for, why am I doing this? Your faithful love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches the clouds. And therefore, because of all of this, God, be exalted above the heavens. Let your glory be over the whole earth. What if... What if this became your prayer for the next 300, and somebody help me do quick math, 335 days? Uh, I'm just going to count. We're not done with January yet. What was it? Three, oh, I thought you had the math. I thought you were doing quick. Dang it. Consider January. So 365 days. We'll just consider like the year just started. 365 days. What if this became your prayer every morning? God, in me, may you be exalted above the heavens, and let your glory be over the whole earth. Every morning, if this became a part of your prayer, you would begin to begin to ask yourself, how am I making this a reality? In my work? In my family? My finances? In the decisions that I make? In the places I decide to go and don't decide not to go? Am 
my very life would begin to be shaped by this hunger to see God exalted above the heavens. Quick definition for exalted, that means raised up by you, by me, by the people, higher than anything else. The thing with, with exaltation is it's you can't have more than one thing that's exalted. Um, it'd be like me trying to, I'm not gonna do it, it'd be like me trying to raise the music stand, like all of the paper's gonna fall off. This is gonna happen. And then Kate would be mad. Because their music's in order. Like, we can only lift one thing properly at a time, and our attention to be given to the creator and sustainer of the universe, everything else falls into place. Jesus taught this as we walked the Sermon on the Mount. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you. What is the kingdom of God? The rule and reign of God himself. The exalting of God himself. So when we seek that, we find what we're looking for. We find that satisfaction. But a question for you this morning. Um, to think back, if, if this like if you have said yes to Jesus, if you have said yes in following after him, whether it be a couple weeks ago, when you came out of the womb, you were excited about God. But think about that moment, that first time you began to realize the beauty of who God is, what God had done for you, what God is doing for you, what he promises to do for you. Once you kind of lock that thought, that emotion in, like what was it emotional? Was it was like, man, this is really intense. I'm never going to forget this moment. I saw a video this week that I wanted to play for us. Um, Autumn's going to go ahead and play that. Um, yeah, so watch this. Adorable little baby. Because I watched this week and I was like, man, do I treat Jesus that way? Just the joy. I mean, there it's sugar. It's the drug of sugar hitting that child's brain. It's good. But the reality of that, that there's this response the first time I heard the gospel. It's like, wait, there's somebody who loves me so much that he gave his life for me? So that my life could be set right before the creator and sustainer of the world. That I could be in a right relationship with him and other people. Then I no longer have to be like filled with shame and guilt and brokenness. That can't be taken away any other way than through the life of Jesus. Like That's given to me. That's set before me. I get, I get to have this. I get to have freedom in Jesus. What in the world? Like, I clung to that like that little kid. That you would delight and cling to Jesus in this way. That if we wouldn't simply grow tired of that response to the Father. That we wouldn't grow tired of, like, yeah, man, she's like, yes, you're worth it today. Thanks for giving me life, yeah. Do your mercies. Gonna go to church, celebrate God, do what we do. Like, what life is, like, that? that's not confidence. That's not joy. That's not hope. That's not life. That's just like, well, it's one more thing we're going to do. Like, here's the reality. I don't know how many of you are banking on the Packers to be in the Super Bowl. 
Super Bowl still happening. Like my emotion, our emotions shouldn't be tied to something that can be so fleetingly lost. If your love and connection is with the Savior of the world, your emotions get to be locked in with one who will never let you down. Even when things are crazy. Even when that King David chased into a cave. Like the pastor wrote how hard it is. I don't. Oh, please tell me. Like tell me how suffering can't bring me closer to Jesus. Like, like show me. Like we have all experienced in this room, if we're honest, a level of pain and brokenness that makes us question, is this worth it? And yet, when I look at my life, when I look at King David, I come to a place where, man, I remember uh, in, in 1 John, 1 John, I'm not 1 John, John 6, uh, you can turn to John 6, 64 through 68 uh, if you want to read through it. Um, there's, a, in, there's a kind of a dialogue that takes place between Jesus and some of his disciples. And many of them um, just kind of, they abandon it. They're out. They're like, we're done. We're done with this. Um, we're going elsewhere. And Jesus looks at his disciples, those who remain, and he asks this question, are you going to leave too? And Peter, I love Peter. Peter is like the every Christian. Like he has really good moments and then really, really bad moments. And that's why I love Peter. Because I'm like, oh, I'm not as bad as Peter, thank God. And he loved Peter. He gave, like he put Peter in charge a lot. And Peter makes this beautiful declaration. He says this, where else are we going to go? In effort, in, in essence, Jesus, you've ruined us for everything else. Where else are we going to go? You have the words of life. Where else am I going to go? King David found this to be true. And so this year as a church, we're locking in this, this phrase, this, this hopeful prayer that we would see revival in our souls and renewal for our city, revival in our souls, our souls coming awake to God's goodness like the very first time. For some of us, for the first time. That we would come awake to the realities of what God has done, is doing, and promises to fulfill in your and my life. One of those beautiful promises is Isaiah 44, verse 3. Isaiah says this, For I will pour water on thirsty land and streams on the dry dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessings on your offspring. This is a promise from the Father. promise and a prayer that for hundreds of years churches have been praying, God, would you do this again? Would you pour out your water on a thirsty land? I don't know about you, like I'm, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty for more of Jesus. I'm thirsty for more of his closeness more of his companionship, more of his wisdom to look more like him, be like him, love like him, lead like him. I need more of him. And he says, I'm going to give you myself. I'm going to give you everything that I have. Like Everything I have is yours. The Holy Spirit is my gift to you, to lead you, to comfort you, to convict you, to correct you, to guide you along the way. That this would be a cry of our hearts to see the water of God poured out in our life. Not just within us, but uh, but for the renewal of our city. That we would seek a notion of, 
become everything Kenosha is meant to be this side of heaven. Now some of you are like, yeah, but like, is it just, like, why, why worry? Why wait? Why don't we just wait for the kingdom of God to fully come and like the end times, everything will be great and we don't have to worry and work hard. That's not the promise that God calls to us. He tells us to work, to love, to be light in a dark world. Buckle up. Like, we are called to shine where we are. And again, as a reminder, you're in Kenosha. And I'm glad that you are. That God is glad that you are. You are not in this city by accident. Like, some of you might be like, oh, no, it is. I'm here by accident. Like, I, the train broke down. I met a boy. Sorry. <laughs> met a boy. Met a girl. That's the only reason I'm here. No. Like, I met a girl. Not the only reason I'm here. God, I believe, wanted me here. Not because Brit is special. Not because Brit is some, uh, like, cure that's going to fix parts of, parts of Kenosha. But that God, in his kindness to Kenosha, in his kindness to me, says, I'm going to send you to a place it's going to make you cry out, my confidence is in God. I'm going to send you to a place that's going to make you cry out, awake my soul, awake my gifts. I'm going to wake up the dawn. I'm going to pray for daybreak. I'm going to pray for the sun to rise up and push back darkness in the city. And I'm going to send you men and women and children who have no idea why they're coming into your church in the moment that they are, but it's for purpose. It's for their souls to come awake to the truth and reality that God has a purpose and a plan for them. For them to not just simply be bystanders, uh, to not just simply be people on an intermission, but on mission for God. To not simply be people who are waiting and treating church as a haven, a place where we come and just kind of hide out. It's one hour a week, we're just going to like it's good. It'll be our, our getaway from everything else. My God, it's, it's our haven. It's our place of protection because everything else in this world is a hazard, right? No, as we gather in this place, we wouldn't treat this place as a place of a haven, a place of escape, but a place of being recharged and coming and praising God like King David in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the pressure, in the midst of the like pleasure, like pleasure too, like. Life's not all bad. Like there's some great things. There's some of y'all had a great week, right? Amen? Anybody? Like, you know, I had a great week. Stacey was sick, so I got to take care of her. It made me just warm my heart to be a good husband for like two hours. Like, stop sneezing all the time. Here's a cough drop. Quit. <laughs> no, it wasn't that bad. No, but like, that we would see ourselves, like there's a gift and a calling to us, for us, that... In the midst of the pain, in the midst of the pleasure, in the midst of the good and the bad, that we come into this place, none of that changes the direction of our praise. He's worthy. Pastor, I had a bad day. He's worthy. I had a great day. He's worthy. I had an okay day. He's worthy. He's worthy of all of my attention, all of my focus, always being on Him. Like, that's the difference between God and a football team that couldn't make it. Right? 
And we put our hopes and like, it's, it seems fleeting, and it should, because it's an earthly thing. And there's nothing bad about hoping that a team does well or hoping that something good happens. But is, is the fullness of my life being placed in the eternal reality and beauty of the one who holds the stars and knows them by name? And then looks at me and goes, Brent, I know how many hairs you lost this week. I know, I did count them. I counted them before you were born. Wait, what? That I, like, I'm a blip, Jesus. Like, I'm, I'm a grain of sand on a beach, and yet you would know me. This is the Savior of the world that came for you. I, I say that to hopefully ignite that little child reaching for the ice cream in your heart. That, like, you would cling to that. My God, this is really good. Like, no, nothing's going to take this away from me. Like, I'm going to cling to him. Because life is in it. As, as Peter proclaimed, Jesus, you have the words of life. Words that are being spoken that stir my heart and soul to a real, real reality of being fully alive in you. So your life is a mission. We talked about that this last Sunday. Your life is a mission. It's not an intermission. Uh, I shared a little bit of my story as I grew up in a Southern Baptist church and was taught about end times. And like our goal was to get as many people saved so they could sit in the pews, give money, maybe sing off key, die, go to heaven, everything's great. And then I like, went to college and I started reading the scriptures. And I was like, man, um, my view of like life here on earth is really garbage. Like, if that's all that it is for me to say yes to Jesus, like, hopefully not have a really sucky life, and then like die and go to heaven. Like, and yet I see constantly in Scripture God's God's drive, Old Testament and New in relationship with, with men and women, calling them on to adventures, calling them in, in moments of making, making glory to him, making actions and filled with purpose and, and provision in ways that didn't always make sense. And I'm like, like do, you, do you have that just for the select few we read in Scripture, like the Davids and, and the Jeremiah's and the Isaiah's and the Peter's and the Paul's and the James? Or... Or do you have it for like the normal people? Like, do you have it for everybody else? And the more we get to look at Scripture, the more we get to actually realize that these aren't heroes in Scripture. Like all those people like this, most of us we grew up, like in kids, we, we elevate King David, we elevate those people. Like, they're the stars, they're the heroes. I want to be like King David, he's amazing. No, what made King David amazing, and catch this, is the way that he clung to God. That's what made him awesome. Jeremiah, what made him awesome is how he clung to God. What made Peter amazing is how he would cling to God. What made Paul amazing is how he clung to Jesus. What made James, what made all of these people that we look at go, man, if only I had the faith of so and so. No, they clung to the Savior that also died for you. And all of them are saying, like him, cling to him, connect to him. He has the words of life. He is the one that you, as John says, we abide in. We connect and graft ourselves 
to him. No one else. So they're not heroes. They're simply signposts that point us to the beauty and reality of who Jesus is. So we have this promise that's given to us in verse 7, the what? God's prominent prom promise to be our confidence. I don't know about you, uh, but I've had a few days the last month that I'm like, Jesus, where's my confidence at? Like something happens. It's like a little balloon just gets popped. I'm like, whoa, what am I doing? Who am I? Who have you called me to be? Doubt sets in, fear sets in. All of these things that aren't very Christian begin to creep in. And this, this promise is given that God promises to be our confidence. That when I'm confident in Him and nothing else, when I'm confident in Him, not in my ability to lead a church, not my ability to preach, not my ability to love my wife well, not my ability to be funny, not my ability to do anything else other than my ability to cling to Him. Jesus says, I'm your confidence. Verse 8 shows us that we have purpose. There's purpose for us. The how, that God has gifted you <coughs> to bring glory to God and good to others. If you're a note taker, write this down. This is a phrase you're going to hear forever at this church. I'm always trying to boil down the simplicity of our call here on this earth. And it is to bring glory to God and good to others. Glory to God and good to others. Well, what about me? Where do I fit in that mix? Well, good thing. I want you to look to your neighbor. Just do this. Look to your neighbor and say, hey, we should whisper, make it really awkward. Hey, you're meant to bring me good. There, see? Cover, right? Now turn to your next neighbor and say, I'm meant to bring you good. This is the call and pattern placed on our life. That when we're making, when we're living a life to bring God glory and good for others, guess what happens? Life is beautiful. Doesn't mean it's not messy. Doesn't mean people don't get sick. Doesn't mean death doesn't happen. Doesn't mean life doesn't get hard. But it means that when it does, guess what? I'm meant to be good for someone. So I get to come alongside them. I get to champion them. I get to encourage them. I get to help them along this road. Because God has gifted me for a purpose, for a reason. Verse 9 helps us see this. There's a proximity the where. There's a proximity to this purpose. And there's a proximity to this promise. And this, and this proximity is to be worked out among people. Among the people, among the nations. The temple not being built yet. This is this understanding for, for King David as he made this declaration. He, they didn't have the temple. They didn't have like a church. They didn't have a space where people would gather to glorify God in one unified place. And so the only natural thing for David was like, we're just going to do it everywhere. We're going to do it among the people. We're everywhere we go, we're just going to cry out how amazing God is. He becomes the king. He's like, you know what? Let's build a temple. Let's everybody come to one place. 
And what, like the beauty of it, when you see the tracing of what God does, what is God's plan for the people? You celebrated Christmas, Emmanuel, God among us, that Jesus would leave the building and be among the people. There's a proximity that we're called to have. Lastly, verse 11, person. All of this is the who. David wants the nations, those who don't know God, to hear his praise. Even though he's going through extreme difficulty, he wants to sing about how good God is so that others will hear and glorify God. Leslie Newbegin says this, believers participate in Christ's priesthood not within the walls of the church, but in the daily business of the world. That you and I live out this calling in our life, not only within these walls, but mostly outside of these walls, as we engage with the world around us. Pastor and stay-at-home mom. Yeah, you're engaging with a world of little adults that are growing up inside your house. You are meant and called to point and raise them up in Jesus. And Pastor, I'm a mechanic. Yeah, you're building the kingdom, the kingdom of God, helping people get to and from work, helping people get to doctors, helping people pick up their kids. You're helping establish and create everything that we do, whatever your vocation, wherever you find yourself, we are, as Christians, if you have said yes to Jesus, I don't want to just assume that for you this morning. But if you have, I'm speaking to those of you who have put your faith in him and you've handed your life over saying, I don't know, I just want to be obedient to you. I want to live the life that you've called me to live. So as I do that, every part of my life now is touched by you to bring you glory and what is that? Good to others. Everything, every part of my life Every instance, every second, I have this ability to bring glory to God and Good to, others. to others. This is the invitation that is set before us. But the question for you and I is twofold. He used this word hazard a little bit ago. Um, John Piper makes this, this statement, talking about the, the house of worship, the church that he pastors. He's talking to people and is, and is longing for them to grow in, in worship and service and just the beauty of all that God calls them to. And he, he says this, that, that um, he longs to see God bless this place and as a place of real worship, then those of us who gather here must gather as a kind of haven between hazards so that our impulse to the hazard is something that makes us glorify the Father. That the things that we experience this side of heaven would drive us to praise God. And that becomes the heartbeat of our prayer, of our words, of our song when we gather. Stacey and I were talking about this last week. Um, some of you might become more aware of it as, you, as you're here. Uh, but we were talking this last week. How much worship has grown in this space since we moved to the round. Um, not just the volume, but there's an intensity 
that's taking place. And it's be because we, I, in, in movement and placement, as, as we're sitting, I know many of you are coming to a place where I'm, I just, I just want to worship Him. I want to sing praises to Him. I want to make much of Him. I want to give my voice, give my life in the way that I know how and how I feel comfortable in this moment to do that. And, and for some of you, like breaking through the uncomfortable, like I'm still going to see, you know, somebody, you know, Greg's looking at me across the room. His beard's intimidating me, but that's okay. He's looking at me. No, he's looking at the TV, or he might be looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> yet, that we would come to this place and grow in this worship, that we would grow in the light. And here's the thing. If you're depending, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm saying this not to give myself or the worship team or either rice team. This isn't a um, get out of serving free card. But if you're showing up purely anticipating me to have all the fire and fuel to set you back on fire for the week, you're in trouble. Like you're gonna be in trouble. If your anticipation goes like, man, I sure hope Ben brings it this weekend. I sure hope Deidre hits that beautiful high note that just makes me start crying. Haley hits the triple strum on the guitar. Peter does that really cool thing with the drums. But if, if our hope is in that, like that's what's going to help me worship God this morning, you're going to be disappointed if you haven't already been. And so what do we do? We come expectant. We come clinging to Jesus and the promise that is Him. As we walk into this place expecting, God, I'm coming to meet with you today. Whatever you have in store, I'm here. And I don't know what all to expect, but I expect to see you move. I expect to, to see you speak into my heart and drive me. God, I expect to stir something up within me. Why do I expect that? Well, some of you may not be expecting that. But I want to set your hearts to this this morning. And if you have notes, actually I want to encourage everybody. Uh, if you're taking notes, take notes. If you're not, pull out your phone. We're going to write this verse down. You have it up on the screen. It's a weird verse. It's fun name to say. Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Chapter 3. Verse 2. This is is a verse that for probably the last year and a half, um, I just continue to come back to. And I'm like, Jesus, what would it look like for this verse to become a reality in my life and in my church? What would it look like for, for instead of that saying Habakkuk 3.2, that, it, that it, would, it would be daybreak, 56th and 7th. No, we're on 6th Street. 56th and 6th. What would it look like for that to be that to be the reference point of this prayer? Lord, I have heard the report about you. I've heard it. People have done what? They've declared it among the people and they've declared it among the nations. I've heard about you. Lord, I stand in awe of your deeds. The things I've heard, I've just been blown away by. That's how amazing you are. I've been blown away by the deeds of what you've done. But then this last part, would you revive your work in these years? The things I've heard about, the things I've read, 
the things I've studied, the things I've heard whispers of. Would you revive that? Would you revive your work today? In my life, in my church's life, in the person's life sitting next to me, in my pastor's life, that this becomes this, this prayer. So I want to challenge you. We're going to be walking into a season um, starting this next Sunday. Super excited. <laughs> walking through a season, give a little taster. Uh, we're going to be looking at practical ways that you and I walk out the faith, that we walk in the rhythms of grace like Jesus. We're looking specifically at, at, at things that flow out of Jesus as he ministered, as he was the son of God, doing everything that God had called him to do, and things that weren't, I mean, they were supernatural to a degree, but they were just practical things that he did that were a natural part of what followers of God would do in that day that many of us don't practice today. So we'll be looking specifically at practices, things that we can do to help us grow to be more like Jesus, to live more faithful and fruitful lives, to live in such a way that as we're praying and declaring, God, would you do this? In my life? Would you renew your work? Would you revive your work today? Me, in my church. That this would become a prayer for you. Not just to get this what I was talking about earlier. If your anticipation and expectation is to come here and expect that the, the team is doing all the heavy lifting, we're only going to get this far. And this is okay, but God deserves more, our city needs more, the glory of God still can be exalted more, the good for others can still go out further, to see more lives touched and changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, to see more families impacted by the generosity of this church. Your generosity today, just as a quick side has helped plant 15 other churches that are launching today through ARC. As you give to this church, we give back to our sending, sending organization, Association of Related Churches. And today, 15 other churches are starting all over the country longing to connect people to the life of Jesus. The one who has the words of life. Like that's part of what we do. We believe in the local church. We believe in the expression of Jesus being manifest every street corner to push back darkness. Why? Because like this prayer, Lord, I've heard the report about you. I've heard the things you've done and are doing. And I marvel. I stand in awe at your deeds. Would you revive your work in these years? Make it known in these days. That's my prayer. It's my prayer for you. It's my prayer for this church. That God would revive and bring something to life in you this year in a way that you look back and go, man, because I started praying this, because I started trusting Jesus, because I started clinging to him either new or fresh, things began to transform in my life. Begin to see him at work in ways. I begin to see a life have more meaning, more purpose. I begin to see people's lives around me begin to change because of that connection 
get together. See, God's plan to renew our world and specifically our city encompasses these, these three types of, of renewal, spiritual, social, and cultural renewal. That it starts with us. Kenosha doesn't become a better place without us becoming better children of God. Becoming more free, more fluid, more generous, more hospitable, more community driven, more service oriented, more extravagantly generous. Things that we hold up to say, God, we just want to see you work. And I want to see him work in your life. So as the worship team comes forward now, I want to prepare us as we celebrate communion this morning. Communion for me is just this beautiful narrative that we continually get to practice as a church to remind us of all of this. That the light has come and it has conquered. Jesus has defeated death and darkness is defeated. You can be like, amen, yeah, it's amazing. Just me? Awesome. Okay. And you can celebrate those things. How good and amazing the Father is in sending Jesus. That it's not just us like trying to fight and figure it out anymore. That he has won. As we come, this is the beauty of communion. That it is a constant reminder to us when Jesus says that my body is broken for you and for all people who come to me and say yes to me and take my yoke on them and take my life. That as they take my body and my blood that has been poured out and shed for all people, they'll experience the forgiveness of sins. They'll experience the fullness of renewal within their life. So when you take the bread and you take the wine this morning, it's not just simply, oh, this is nice little bread. It says, it's English muffin, just so you know. It's real wine. It's delicious. And juice. Something more than that. It is a staple. It is a foundational thing that draws our hearts back to what the Father has done through the life of Jesus what he is doing through the work of the Holy Spirit, and what he promises to fulfill in you through the outworking of your life and the life of the world that's around us. This is why we come to worship and exalt him. That his name and his fame would be exalted high above the heavens. His fame would go as far across this earth stand and pray with me. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you that like David, we find ourselves in dark moments and dark places, but because we have seen the light, because we have tasted the words of life that come from you, we don't retreat, we rejoice. We rejoice in you. As we worship and sing this morning, as we take communion, that we would be reminded of this moment that it is not us retreating in you, it is us rejoicing in you. Holy Spirit, that you would fill us with the joy and the awe of the moment of when we first saw Jesus. When we first saw the light break through. When we first saw the beauty of him redeeming and restoring our life. Making a way because he is the way. Giving us life because he is the life. Showing us truth because he is the truth. In those moments, we became fully alive in you. 
And so as we take communion, may it be sweeter this morning than we've ever had before. Because it reminds us and points us and connects us back to the beauty of the one who gave us life so that we might have full life in him here and forevermore. Jesus, we ask all of this for your glory to go beyond anything we could ever imagine and for your good to be amongst us. And everybody resoundingly, rejoicefully said, Amen. Thank you for listening. We long to share the story of God with people so people can belong to the story of God. If you would like to know more, please head to ourdaybreak.church for more information. That's www.ourdaybreak.church for more information. May you make much of Jesus this week in your life.